Union of the Unwanted back November 21st, 2022. Ricky, take it away. We're not talking about soccer. I can't do that. <laughs> Are you allowed to call it soccer, Ricky, when you talk to all your friends? They're like, yeah, it's soccer. They're like, what the, what, what the fuck you just call it? Yeah, it's funny because my wife, even though she's Italian, they're very Americanized. So, you know, they, they watch American sports, even though, you know, they fall Italy and whatnot a little bit, but they, they're big American sports fans. So they're always busting my, oh, it's soccer, it's soccer. I mean, it is honestly the stupidest thing ever. This idea that there's already an old sport that's been around longer than, you know, your country's been around. And then you start this new country and this sport that has nothing to do with your foot. Uh, we're going to call it football, even though the most popular sport in the world is already football. It's like, why cause the confusion? I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe they're just like, I don't know what the origin story is that, uh, of soccer and why they call it soccer. Maybe there is a logical explanation for it, but it does seem ridiculous. We call it football, uh, obviously football, if you're Portuguese football. or yeah, football. But uh, What's interesting about our football is that they're trying to basically legislate out all the times that the foot touches the ball in our football. <laughs> they want to get rid of the punting. They want to get rid of basically all the kicking if they could. They're trying to incentivize going for two points on every touchdown. So it's like it's crazy that it would even be called football. It should be called smash ball or something like that or slow rugby or something. <laughs> it is, it is basically like rugby. At that point, safety rugby. Well, and you know, one thing I don't know about how you guys feel about baseball, but I make fun of. Uh, there's a few family members, uh, well, on my wife's side that are huge baseball fans, and I always say how they're like poor excuses for athletes, like they're the worst athletes out of all the athletes. Uh, and they're like, oh, it's hitting a baseball is the hardest thing. You know, I'm like, maybe it's really hard, but there's a lot of things that are hard. It doesn't make it athletic. It, oh, I love I'm baseball. Gonna, I love. I mean, if, if I if I start watching sports again. I'm going to watch baseball, but it is kind of lazy. It's, I love baseball. I, I can't. I can't stand. I'm, I'm like. I am more athletic. How old are you, Ricky? I'm 37. 30. Yeah, you're not old enough yet. <laughs> you, once you turn 40, baseball's just the right speed. Yeah. There's a rhythm. There's a. You can sit in Dodger Stadium. God knows, I've done it a million times. You can just sit there with your eyes closed, and you can hear everything. And there's a yeah. weird, like, rhythm and and sort of soundtrack to it that you that you have to really appreciate. Like when I was a kid, man, I was all into baseball, and I had family friends that were all professional baseball players, and so I was like a five year, six year old kid hanging around with all these professional baseball players and, and going to the games and loving it and everything. So for me, it's totally. Is different. this still I mean, called can, Dodger Stadium, or is it? Uh, do they get it no, renamed? It's still Dodger Stadium. It's Dodger it? Stadium. It's the third oldest stadium in baseball, I think. Wow, it's not I, FTX yeah, Stadium. If we get rid of that. Heads are people are gonna lose it, bro. Lose they gotta fix it. the parking. The parking Echo Park is garbage. Well, I'm all for liking baseball. I just don't think they're, they're real athletes. That's all. I mean, I'm a gym rat. I'm and uh, I'm a you know I play I've played basketball with some ridiculously you know athletic people, and I play soccer with some ridiculously athletic people. I I'm a very average athlete com compared to most of those people. But the truth is, like all the worst athletes I know are baseball players. <laughs> they're are they're all you know they're not. So it's just like it's just I know it's. You didn't yeah. think Roger Clemens had an awesome body? Yeah, but so you gotta you gotta start <laughs> playing basketball with more golfers. 
Yeah. Or 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 NASCAR or drivers. Go play like golf. Yeah, go Cologne. play basketball with a NASCAR driver and then go talk some smack about baseball players. That's me doing elbows in Croft Magad today, just so you know I bleed for my passion. I actually right. NASCAR, I mean, that is a endurance sport though. I mean, it, it's uh it takes some serious physical ability to to do what they do. Um I mean to bang your your cousin, your sister, all those people, chew on tobacco. Rude, bro. And, uh, Rude. And still be what a stereotype. Crop bro, crop maga. <laughs> Sorry, I they had, take laughs. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's actually I I I'm a I'm a gearhead, so I, I like cars and I definitely appreciate what they do, but it is uh you know, when you watch the sport for the crashes, it's, uh, you know. As a, a hillbilly American, I appreciate NASCAR's <laughs> roots in terms of. The moonshiners? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Modifying vehicles that came stock with just what, you know, you and a blowtorch and uh, a whole lot of cocaine could get away with in the 70s. And, you know, yeah. Everything yeah. starts out outlaw and then the, the nerds and the bean counters come in and ruin it. Yeah, and right. for the, these are jokes, people. Don't take us too seriously. This uh, is well, Talladega Nights foretold all of this. Foretold. It truly is pro, uh, profit. <laughs> Matt's like, I thought I was on to talk Matt, about welcome to the television. number one sports podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's like two guys here that know uh, sports. <laughs> Sam and Ricky. I, I, I appreciate the nonlinearity. This is cool. This is good. Let it flow. Oh, Char Charlie knows this shit about sports. I mean, he literally worked with athletes. Remember? Oh yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I blocked yeah. that out. Yeah, I also I also worked in the clubhouse. There's a club as an unpaid, uh, the lowest guy on the totem pole is it wash washing jock straps and shining shoes for no money. Yeah, that's what the players would tip Just me. The it's the love of the game. The <laughs> love, the of, love the game. of the strap. Yeah, the love of the <laughs> of the jock strap. You gotta love the jock strap. You got to embrace oh, it. Right. And I remember Charlie, you telling the story about how you had to smell them to see if they had to be washed, right? <laughs> <laughs> we skipped that. We just assumed they all needed to be washed. Yeah. I wasn't paying for the laundry detergent. I was oh. just doing the washing <laughs> as a nineteen-year-old. Hey, so real quick, man. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff to get into. It's a crazy time. I want to get into FTX. But I also want to get into what you guys, what your guys' thought is on the Arizona elections. Do you think shadiness is a muck? Yeah, but it's always a muck. Yeah. yeah, right. But is it, you know, I have this theory, and this is kind of off of like Whitney Webb, is like this is all being done on purpose. And, you know, to make, break our will. To demoralize to us, us. yeah. To get yep. so it's like no matter who you want, we get who we want, and you know everybody again falls for the Republicans, and they're just like, oh my God, the Republicans are gonna clean it up, man. They're gonna clean it up, you know. And then they're like, you can say whatever you want about Omar, like she, I think she's dog shit, right? But now they're kicking her out because she said many things about Israel. Meanie, meanie, right? And so now they're kicking him out, even though she just was torching America forever. And that, that seems okay. Uh, but, you know, this whole march, they're like, oh, we're going to investigate, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop now. You're like, well, that just fits into the whole notion that you guys are just trying to get in Camel Toe Harris from the start. Like, that was the whole goal was to get her into office. And this just fits right into that timeline. 
Well, you're not you're not wrong about that. And yes, the election in Arizona was fraudulent, just like every other election in this country at the federal or state level, at least is fraudulent to a degree. But in Arizona specifically, they have like 1.8 missing mail-in ballots. They've got the Arizona and Nevada are kind of similar to where when you register, when you go to get an ID, you're automatically registered for to vote. And then they've sent mail-in ballots out to people who haven't actively voted in the state in a decade. Yeah. Okay. Like that's, that should by any reasonable stretch uh, of anyone's rules trigger an automatic recount or an automatic recall and you have to do it over. But we, we live in this timeline. So that's not happening. Um, that specifically the candidates that were out in front going, if I get elected, we're going to do some serious work on the way that we all get elected because it's hinky. None of them got elected. And most of them were running in states that were contested, or at least you could look at and be like, oh, there's some things that don't add up the this time around. I do think that it's demoralizing, but at the same time, there are a number of people that would love to see us do like a, another little civil war. And I think that they're agitating people to go one way or the other, either complete acquiescence so that when people do rise up, there's a built-in group of people that can point at the existing authority and go, Daddy, please save me. And then that will allow for any conceivable atrocity of war. Well, or they're pushing people to do the rising up and to do it in a way that's going to get them trampled. And I would advocate we find a different path. I view it like uh, sports. Uh, that, you know, sports can be rigged any game. And like for the NFL, for instance, if that's the analogy I'm going to use for uh, for voting in the election, sometimes in a game, sometimes a penalty is not called. Sometimes the refs look the other way. Sometimes at the very last play, there is a penalty and then there's a full review where they do slow motion and, and that can swing the game one way or the other. And I, but that's the game. Sometimes cheating's uh, cheating takes place, like with Billichek, Um, and sometimes you get caught. Sometimes they they don't. I think that's our election system. Everyone knows the game. It just seems as though one side understands it and is really kind of good at it as of late, and uh, the other side's just kind of catching up and screaming a lot. But that's the game. It's shitty. It's criminal. But here we are. But in the NFL, they're dependent on you believing that it's real. Sure. They have to have you believe it's real. Okay. It is the most important. They will ban you for life if they catch you, you know, throwing a game or doing something like that because the integrity of the sport, if that comes into question, then the gambling component goes away, the viewership numbers go down, there's too much money at stake. But in politics, it seems like it's obvious that people are cheating. Like, it just seems like if you're not cheating, you're not trying. You know, it's the old Jim Rome. So... I, I I don't know that they're even in a huge hurry to try and prove to you that they're not cheating in these elections. Like, well, I, I think there's part of, part of them that want you to believe that, like like Sam said, it, or, or, or Whitney said, I guess. But, you know, do whatever you guys want to do. Go stand in line and vote and do all your things and, 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 and all that. We'll put in whoever we want in there because yeah. we run this game. I don't know. I mean, it demoralized me. It is, it, it is demoralizing. I, I just chime in with one little thought from, from Canada, 
British monarchical Canada. Um, as an outsider, you know, we I'm living in a in a country as a parliamentary party system uh, under a crown institution with lieutenant governors or lieutenant governor generals and a governor general on top of the pyramid that represent the actual unelected body of control. You know, I mean, most Canadians don't vote for and we've never voted for most anybody who actually has a say in policy making from the top, the deputy ministers, the privy council, the privy council office, the entire embedded deep state structure that's there enshrined in our founding constitution. Like, so very different type of structure. I've, I've uh, investigated and explored and organized in the United States. And I, I can tell you, like from somebody who's like sort of walked in both worlds. Um, and I am, a, I, I'm a Republican. I, small r if you had to like ask me to categorize myself i believe in republican government i don't believe in monarchical hereditary institutions uh doesn't mean i'm a fan of the republican party and i think people generally listening on uh, get that um <clears throat> there's a definitely different cultural dynamic inside of the united states than you get in canada um in the sense that there is sort of like even though there's a, a dumbing down that's that's endemic everywhere, and maybe in some ways it's 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 worse in the United States in terms of uh, a tendency to think of the the world as this very abstract, almost non-existent secondary phenomenon. This that's a problem, uh, you know, and to look at the world through your own filter um, of prejudice. That that's a problem, and that's capitalized on by America's enemies that have tried really hard, especially since the murder of JFK, whose anniversary is tomorrow, uh, to really uh, get the United States to willfully acquiesce or walk into their own self-destruction. So there's there's a conscious effort, but there's still a, a reflexive, healthy, like um, disgust for hereditary nobility that you don't get in Canada. Really, you used to maybe get in some of Quebec, which is where I live, but by and large, it's not really there. We 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 adapt to that sort of thing, but I think it's it's been a fallacy that people have thought that with the corruption being what it is in the system now, that somehow we could vote this thing away, and that's not that that. We should have let go of that in 2020. Any dwindling, dwindling illusions that that was the case, uh, we should have let go of. And there's obviously massive rampant vote fraud. It doesn't mean people shouldn't vote, but it, it, I think whether it's in Arizona, Maricopa County, whether it's any, there's rampant vote fraud. And yeah, that other side is really damn good at it. But I think the uh, last thing I'll, I'll just point out, the, the Freedom Convoy process, I mean, that, that was a good thing. That was probably the closest thing to a democratic organic thing that ever arose in Canada's history. That I, that I saw with my own eyes of like 7 million Canadians getting out of the woodworks, being told that they're these they have these unacceptable opinions and they're just taking up space. That's actually what what <laughs> Bubblehead uh, Trudeau actually said, where they're taking up space. But they didn't vote it away. They actually just showed the best of the sort of process that worked for the civil rights movement under Martin Luther King Jr., under the Gandhi process, where Gandhi just made salt. You know, you, you couldn't vote the British Empire away. He just walked and made salt and carried like, you know, inspired 20 million Indians to walk with him. And that sort of electric charge did more damage to the institutions of the deep state of India that the British were maintaining through their Freemasonic outlets and other things than any amount of, uh, of, of violence that we had seen in the decades before that. Same thing for, for the civil rights movement. If you got violent, it wasn't going to work. That's why the FBI was pouring tons of weapons, money, all sorts of operations into radicalizing the black power movement because they wanted that. And so the same thing for the, the Freedom Convoy in Canada, you know, you had bricks, pallets, just like the Black Lives Matter operation, just strewn about, kind of like they were threatening to take away people's kids. 
it was like Feb, you know, February, super cold weather. And they were just pushing, pushing people to break, to get violent so that they could justify the type of clampdown that yeah. they wanted to do the whole time. But people didn't budge. And they, then it made the government look really bad when they actually did start mowing down poor women, old ladies on walkers, yeah. you know, with, with horses exactly and batons. That was really bad. That What's was that? what January 6th was supposed to be. Yeah, they exactly. Really, they really thought it was going to be chaotic enough for them to warrant, you know, all the sweeping kind of uh, changes to our right to privacy and all that stuff. I mean, they're doing it anyways, but they were going to be able to do it blatantly out. And, and I've said this before, and everybody can call me crazy, which happens daily. Um, you know, the whole notion with Q, and obviously Q is a psyop there, but I've always said the information had to be real because that's the only way you got anybody to follow it. Right. If you kept putting out bullshit information, everyone would be like, this is stupid. It was the fact that everything tracked that you're like, oh, man, this might actually be well, some inside information. Right. So some, some of it tracked. Well, and it's like I mean, any like, other limited well, like hangout Jones, where you right? have to like get Jones. Right. You, you got to yeah, say you crazy to. shit so so that everyone can run with it. But like <clears throat> Jeffrey Epstein, Ukraine. Uh, Russian collusion, uh, uh, the Anthony Weiner, uh, Nexium, like all this shit that when it came out, most of the people who were following those Q drops were like, oh, dude, I, I knew all, knew that. And like, again, everybody, I'm not saying it wasn't a, a giant uh, intelligence operation. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the information giving out was had some accuracy. You're saying it worked because there was yeah yeah yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I'm not sure. absolutely. I'm not arguing yeah. that. I'm saying the vast majority of the Q drops that were informative, where it panned out, was already public information. 100%. It was so, just in spheres that right. the people who right. gathered around Q right. never went to for news. So it was brand new to them, yeah. and it That's was a revelation to them that you got and housewives able to see. Oh wow! Did you see what this thing just said that. This this guy was working for Mossad and they were running underage sex rings. Isn't that crazy? And then bam, it drops like, oh my God. But then you put the craziness out, you know, that is also there to run people away too, to drive a wedge into stuff. But the, a big thing was that, you know, that they were always like, oh, Q is there to, you know, pacify people. And my humble opinion, and I could be wrong, is that that group of people are never going to be they're not the burn your city down people like to me that group of people tends to be oh i'm gonna pull out all my energy my focus my attention and my money out of that system and that's why you start to see like disney crashing uh you know all these news agencies crashing all this stuff because this giant block of people regardless of whatever you want to tell, whatever the mainstream mer narrative is, this giant block of people, they're like, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. And they pull their energy out. And that's why you start to see this shit starting to collapse. That's my humble opinion. They they thought January 6th was going to be like a giant riot. And it wasn't, in my humble opinion. 
Well, the thing is with Q, I mean, it, it's like a saying I always say, I'm like, dude, things happen for a reason or do we find reasons for why things happen? And I think sometimes it's it's one, sometimes it's the other. And I think with the Q thing, a lot of times that's what it was. It was like it was fitting that Trump is the savior narrative so you could justify Every, you know, all the times he didn't fit into that box that he was going to save America by saying, oh, no, he's playing 40 chess. He's he's at another level. This is, you know, and, and so I, I think some of that did happen. I also don't think it's a coincidence and no, nothing if, uh, against Q people, because we've had some people in the show who who are, I would generalize as, as Q people. But a lot of them were new to the game. They weren't people who have been paying attention to this type of stuff for a long time. And so I feel like it, it, you know, those are the type of people that fell for it because this, like, like somebody mentioned, I don't know if it was Steve or, or Sam, but this was new to them. And so they were all excited that they thought they uncovered something that was new when the truth was all of us have been saying this stuff forever. And we're like, wait, you, you just figured out now that the world's run by pedophiles and you're, you just figured out now that the highest levels of fashion and Hollywood and, and politics, it, you know, it are linked to human traffickers and, and all these other, like it was, it was stunning to me how many people I met that were, you know, really convinced that Q was something um, deeper and bigger and giving you these messages. And it was somebody close to Trump who was, you know, all these things. And, and, uh, and, and that all these pedophiles, remember when we kept hearing that, oh, all these pedophiles are being locked up, you know, it's like, oh, they're arresting more pedophiles than ever, you know, and it's like, well, don't they always arrest some pedophiles? Like you're, you're going to find some evidence of pedophiles being locked up. I mean, that's always the case. Um, but low level. <laughs> What's that? There's secret oh, no, boats to Guantanamo yeah. right now, Ricky. Right now. One thing yep. that so what I noticed with with Q while doing the podcast is that I had my friend saying, uh, "Mike, now you're you're talking about Q stuff now," and I just I can't listen anymore because you're talking about Q stuff. And I was like, "You've been listening to the podcast for the past uh, twelve years. I've always talked about conspiracy theories and in weird stuff." Now that Q, an organization and people that you don't like are talking about it, now it is bad. And so it delegitimized people that were initially talking about all this scandalous stuff for years. And so it poisoned the well. It had probably multiple different agendas when Q launched, poison the well, kind of create like a, a Pied Piper scenario, and also just infiltrate, divide and demoralized. So I had multiple different things. There's true things with any good disinformation. There are good nuggets of truth, and then there's a bunch of bullshit, and then therefore you can dismiss it all as bullshit because that's how this world works now. And they did the same thing with Alex Jones. They they lumped him in as the Sandy Hook guy. It's like, this guy's been on the air for how fucking long? And he, I mean, this guy was at Waco protesting, and now all of a sudden he talks about Sandy Hook a few times and he becomes the Sandy Hook guy like his whole info wars was built on the Sandy Hook I'm like this is so insane so and then he now became the Sandy Hook guy and it's so hard to to ha- have a discussion with somebody because people are like oh you know the Sandy Hook guy but the Sandy Hook thing you know it's like yeah but okay like do you know did you hear what he said well yeah if you like, ask him you if know, you ask it, him specifically it, what they what he said they 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 don't know they don't there's know. a uh, there's a direct connection between the Sandy Hook operation um, that was pulled on Alex and uh, and Q. You guys know that there's a direct connection there, and I say it's an operation because I think it was pre-planned to to set him up. And there's a fellow named uh, Steve, Steve P- uh, Alex Jones. 
There's a there's a fellow named Steve Pietzenuk. Does you know of Steve Pietzenuk? Steve Pietzenuk. Yeah. yeah. He, he's uh in my assessment, he is one of the top down controllers of the creative writing team, and I do think it's that's really what it is that generated uh, Q early on. Now he was seen as a uh, a bit of a trophy for Alex Jones early on, and he had him on as a bit of a conspiracy an insider conspiracy theory guru, somebody who was on the in in the inner corridors of Bohemian Grove of the Trilateral Commission. I mean, this guy was high level Rand Corps, and Steve Kipnick all of a sudden started coming on Alex Jones's show, talking about all sorts of things, and really was his guide who framed all of the arguments that he he put forth on the Sandy Hook narrative for months and months and months. He was all being go he was being goaded on the entire time by Pietzenuk. That was his Sandy Hook expert. So he put himself on the line. Um, who was Pietzenuk? This guy was a Rand Corporation, 1960s, the first um, social psychiatrist of Rand in the 1960s, specializing in trauma cases and um, what do you call it when you when you have like a terrorist that needs to be negotiated with? Uh, what is, what is the word for that? Um, De-escalation. Torture. De-escalation. There's another word. Anyway, he focused on people who had been traumatized and on de-escalating um, terrorists. But he was also the um, in the 1970s. He was the deputy secretary of state under Henry Kissinger, Cyrus Vance, and uh, Robert Gates. Three high-level trilateral. He himself was a member of the Trilateral Commission, right? Directly. Um, he was a, a co-writer of about 13 books with um, Tom Clancy as well. Who's already? I mean, people say, "Oh yeah, Tom Clancy was." doing um you know he was helping us understand how the the actual insider world of intelligence really operates no it's predictive programming he worked openly with the cia who was providing him material from the 1980s from the hunt of red, red october all the way to the present tom clancy is an operative um he co-wrote like 13 books with tom clancy right just working on creative writing and and there's whole uh, there's whole study groups around Rancor, especially that's the key is Rancor. They're the ones who shaped the entire contours of the Cold War, all of the different um, creative scenarios of, of what Russia might do. The psych I mean, Rancor shaped every single branch of American policy, cultural policy, economic policy, military posture, everything from the 19, really when the Rhodes Scholars and, and these Oxford fanatics who were followers of cybernetics set this thing up like James Burnham and, and Albert Volstetter um, back in the 1940s. He set this thing up. It was integrated with the Air Force. This thing ran the infiltration and the, the architecture of the deep state in the United States over the dead bodies of JFK, Bobby, you name it. And so, again, Pietznup comes out of this operation, and Alex was dumb enough to think, oh, yeah, I got my trophy guy. No, the, I, everything Alex did is missteps along the way that really, I mean, this guy's taken a big psycho-spiritual hit on top of the finances. Um, it, this was this was Piet and so Pietznuk was right there at the the earliest stages, even before QAnon took on that that um, in, that packaging into early 2017. He was already doing these little pseudo proto Q drops already under his own name. Then all of a sudden he stops doing it, and then it's Q doing the exact same thing with the same technique, same style, same cryptography, everything. That's uh, without anything that's grounded in knowledge. It's like. That's the thing that gets you. You know, you can give somebody facts, trivial facts that may be true, but if it's not, if they didn't earn it, it's like going to the back of the book in a, in, a, in school. This the actually, this, what you're talking yeah, about actually on. caused a major rift over at Infowars because Alex was having Steve Pachenik on and 
Alex thought he had the inside track, but Steve was coming on talking about, this is like in the later days when the election was up for debate, and Steve Pichinik came on and literally said there is an elite U.S. like Green Beret team that had a firefight over in Germany over like servers that were counting votes, and Alex was eating this up. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, the other one of the other hosts at Infowars, uh, uh, David Knight, was like, "This is all bullshit. You cannot have Steve Pachenik on anymore. This guy is all bullshit." And there was a big argument behind the scenes, and David Knight was fired because Alex wanted to keep his connection to his insider. Meanwhile, it's like, Alex, can't you see that this guy is deep state as he fucking gets? Why are you buying this bullshit? But Alex wanted the inside track. Can, can I just jump in and say very quickly, guys, that first off, thanks for having me here. It's always, it's always an honor and a pleasure. But um, uh, again, not, not, to, not to sort of uh, steal the show like the other time, but with respects to like even myself, when I'm looking into the, the literature on the science side of things, it, it, a lot of this stuff adds up, whether it's in the equations or whether it's in the, I mean, you name it, it's been in the public literature. It's just people don't obviously, including myself up until about a year ago, no one reads that fucking shit, right? But if you read it, it doesn't take much to look at it and go, hold on a second. What they're saying in the public literature from top level PhDs contradicts what the media is saying completely, completely. The data speaks for itself. It's not about politics. You can run the numbers. And it compl- whether it's um, uh, let me just be- yeah whether it's things like ADC or other things it's there. I mean, I actually, as a matter of fact, um, I do have a two and a half minute clip of a from the eighties, an old news clip about psychotronic warfare and how basically this satanic ritual abuse went right up to army intel at the very top. If you guys would like to see it, I do have it to play, but it doesn't. You know, I don't have to, but it w- it would substantiates everything you guys are saying here. I listened to it. I listened to a a a, a psych operation uh, document. Sure, sure. The uh, the idea, if if I could give a quick preface behind this, is that there was a realization that abusing children in a physical sense was very, of course, depraved. But they found that instead of doing the abuse directly, although that still carried on, you'll find that they found that through the influence of extremely low frequencies, through microwaves, radio waves, the you know television and all things like that the way to slowly disseminate it over a prolonged period of time was actually far more effective because it didn't create trauma and and conflictual trauma that physical abuse normally would now i'm not saying that the physical abuse doesn't happen but it speaks to what even mike was saying where multiple things can happen at once but for some reason we live in a society where everyone thinks it's either got to be one thing or the other it's like no, no no multiple things can happen simultaneously so i mean it just it becomes a little bit ironic to to all of your guys' points actually. So, um, and and something me, you mentioned yep. that it is so true is so much of what happens in the conspiracy world they're openly talking about. I mean, when you look at like Klaus Schwab, when you go back to like PNAC and uh, you, you know New American Century before nine eleven. Uh, needing a new Pearl Harbor. When you, I mean, look at uh, the Grand Chessboard book. I mean, there's so, they, they talk about this in think tanks all the time, openly. And then when we mention it, it's like, oh, that's a conspiracy. It's like, what are you talking about? Like the elites talk about it openly. They discuss it, you know. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 I'm just you make a perfect point. Yeah, sometimes it's just and, and they put out this stuff, this crazy stuff, purposely to get people who are normies. A way out 
to go, oh, yeah, dude, this is crazy stuff. And that just becomes a wedge issue. Again, again, I make no illusions of what Q was. I said when it was happening, like, this could be easily the elites telling us everything because they're just going to fucking annihilate everything, which they did with COVID, right? They destroyed basically how we lived our lives. They've tried to reprogram all of that to the point that they were willing to sacrifice so many businesses along the way. So uh, that that was my call why it was happening. All I say is that the information, that there was a lot of real information that came out because I thought they felt like they didn't even care. Now, the interesting thing before we get into what Zed's going to show us is like, why with all these data dumps that have come out about the vaccine, why are they still marching forward with what they wanted to do? It's almost like they're either, it's almost like their timeline got fucked up and all this information that they were hoping would come out much later has come out early. And, but they're like, what do we spot? This is our plan. It's our 2030 agenda plan. We got to like, and they're I'm like, I'm listening commercials uh, during sports. Like, huh? The booster is going to save you. Oh, did you hear about Pam? Pam can't come to the picnic because she didn't get her booster. And now she's at home with COVID. Nobody's doing that. Nobody, nobody. I'm not saying that people aren't getting the booster because there are dumb people, but nobody's like, I'm staying home because they got COVID. And, you know, it's like nobody's doing that. No, but so, nobody's getting mad either, which is pissing me off. It's making yeah. me mad. <laughs> I'm like, how how is everybody so like willing to just move on from this and be like, yeah, they they made it a bigger deal than it really was. Let's move on with their lives. And again, this goes back to something I've said on the show over and over again. As a society, as a planet, we're dealing with this as like a trauma, uh, some tra- trauma that we're dealing with that we're like, okay, how do we deal with this trauma? By not thinking about it, by not reflecting on it, by just putting it on the back burner, by, uh, you know, maybe it's lingering in our subconscious somewhere, but in my, you know, I'm just not going to think about it. And I just want to move on from it. Cause I think so many people were forced into a world that they don't, you know, they usually live in a world where ignorance is bliss. And now they're forced in a world where it's like, holy shit, like, Big Pharma rules the world and and can force feed you bullshit and controls the FDA and politicians don't give a shit about you and and they'll give give you a experimental vaccine and or force you to get it to just feed your kids and go to work and they'll force nurses and doctors who are around sick people all the time to get it and like it just people were forced in that world forced and then they stripped away everything that made you happy whatever it may be even if it's baseball they stripped away that and you know. Uh, and so people are just like, I got my life back. I finally have those things I enjoy. Like, leave me the fuck alone. I kind of just want ignorance is bliss again. I just want to go on in my life. But the, the, and that's where, you know, I, I had this conversation with, uh, James Corbett recently, how like in a way I feel like all the work we've done, like all of us on this call and everybody who's been, you know, in this fight with us since the beginning, like in a way it's like, oh shit, like this is kind of what we wanted. We wanted our life back and we got it. You know, like people got their life back. But in another way, it's like, but now we're back to making the same mistakes. We're like, we're still screaming, saying there's agendas, there's things going on. And everybody's like, I don't care. I'm going to go out to dinner and have a glass of wine. Fuck well, you. you know, and quickly, 
before we get to to Dave's clip, let me let me suggest that everybody here and watching go to the Last American Vagabond Substack and watch the Man on the Street thing that our our pal Scott Armstrong did. Um, because he's talking about exactly this. He has random people, most of whom are not from Nashville, uh, all from different parts of the country. How did lockdowns affect you? Do you think we should give these people amnesty? And if they lock down again, are you going to comply? And I'm not going to tell you what anybody said. I'm not going to tell you where any of it went. Just please go check do, the thing please. out. <laughs> please, what they said. Yeah, give, yeah, give, give us a taste. Okay. Give me a taste. It's encouraging. I'll say that. Okay. It's encouraging. And there's Scott people from right people from all oh, oh Scott, dude. If anybody okay, we've said Scott's born to horn, right? But Scott is also born to do these men on the street interviews. Man, that guy is crushing it and watching him uh excommunicate and flee Oregon and go out to Tennessee and just kill it is so freaking awesome. Um but uh we had Steve Kirsch on again this morning, and he's got a whole thing about uh, myocarditis rates in Canada going up 100 times that they're seeing in teenagers right now uh, and young kids. Uh, this is a study that was out in Nova Scotia, but it's it's got correlation throughout uh, provinces at this point. It's not great. And essentially, people are so invested, either physically because they've taken the injections uh mentally and emotionally because they know how they treated everybody for the last three years and they're not really willing to like admit and pull back from that just yet because you might get sick again whoopi got sick again anybody could get Aww. sick again yeah so uh so the the investment is still a little bit too strong and the amnesty thing came out and a whole bunch of people went fuck and so people don't really feel like they could come forward right now in this moment and be like, hey, you know, I messed up quite a bit because I saw how you acted when that wingnut from the Atlantic asked for it. And a whole bunch of people went, hang everyone that told me I was a dick. And that's a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, it's encouraging. So, it is. Sam, but don't you think that the truth is if shit hit the fan again and they did lock people down, if all these people on the street are saying, I wouldn't do it, I would, the second they scared the shit out of them, they'd all do it again. Not all of them, but I think a lot of them would. Uh, yeah, but I also think there's encouraging signs. And, you know, if you looked at kind of how, like, everybody felt, felt for, um, you know, weapons of mass destruction and all that stuff in Iraq, and now you look at, like, they can't, they can't manifest us to give them permission to go into the Ukraine. Even though they might be doing stuff in the Ukraine and they're sending them money, we haven't really seen anything. And, you know, you remember when Trump with the, like, Iran attacked our drones. We lost a good drone. It was a Patriot drone. You know, and everyone's like, go fuck yourself. We don't care about any of that. When, like, maybe 20 years ago, we'd be like, the drone is dead. Kill everybody in Iran. I, I feel like and this got, got into something. Uh, I had a conversation with Howdy, Howdy, uh, yeah, last night. And he brought up something about this, this, this world we live in and how it could be a false reality made by the demigurge. And, um, 
He brought up because they keep using the same playbook over and over and over again. And I thought thought that was very, very, very interesting. And, you know, it gets back to that they're not creative, these lizard people, and they just keep running the same plays over and over again. So I'm encouraged, but then again, I'm a hopeless romantic. Yeah. Also, Howdy's uh, not in the business of trying to change anybody's mind anymore. He's uh, he's looking for a way out of this reality, and I'm kind of with him. I'm done trying to convince people because this uh, this trauma based reality that we're in, we just keep reliving it over and over again. Yes. And I'm not involved. I'm 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 not. I don't want to get involved in someone's like A B yes no world. The the world's much more nuanced and detailed than to get into all that BS. But uh, I'm with Howdy on that one. I liked. I, I loved it. It was uh, actually one of the best episodes of uh, Zero I've ever done, and I was very blown away by it. And it's, it's it sounds dark at first, and then you're like, oh, we can just like you know when you pass on, right? And your grandma and your grandpa's there. They're like, come on, grandma in the light. You're like, don't go to light, bro. Tell them to kiss it. If they show you your life and like, oh, look at all the weird shit you were jerking off to. You're like, fuck you. I'm done. Check out. Yeah. Check, well, please. You got to be okay with all back. the guilt and shame that you may have accumulated in this lifetime. So you better do your therapy right now. And you better be comfortable with what you, you've done. Just start calling everybody. Hey, dude, sorry about that. <laughs> That's a lot of calls. <laughs> guys, guys, I'm sorry. My my connection's not the greatest. I was wondering if I could just play the video yeah. in case I completely cut. Sorry, David. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. Fa thank you guys for entertaining this. Just uh, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. So just give me one second here. Yeah, yeah. If, if you if you think uh, the video is going to be affected by con connection, feel free to uh, put it in the group chat. Right? It couldn't maybe. Oh, like, he got it. it up. Oh, beautiful. Good, good. Here we go. This is for the children. For electromagnetic weapons that influence the mind. Capitulation could be induced without firing a shot by extremely low frequency signals piggybacked on broadcasts of radio, TV, or microwave communications in order to influence and manipulate the thoughts and feelings of the target population. During the 1960s, he was prominent in the Church of Satan and a close friend of Anton LaVey until he started his own Church of Set. A police intelligence report dated July 1st, 1981, reads, quote, The Church of Set is a group of hundreds of members that operates on a national level. Michael Aquino is the official head and, and rules through a council of nine who are, in fact, his lieutenants, unquote. At least two members of the council of nine at that time were members of army intelligence. In the late 1980s, Aquino was accused by the San Francisco Police Department of being involved in a satanic child molestation ring centered on the daycare at the Presidio military base where Aquino was stationed at the time. Probable victims numbered at 68, many of whom had contracted venereal disease. Twenty-two families filed $66 million in claims against the Army claiming that criminal charges against Michael Aquino were dropped due to pressure from the army. General Aquino admitted to renting the German castle where the Nazi SS were formed and reenacting the secret ceremony among fellow intelligence officers dressed in full Nazi regalia. 
General Aquino is now the highest ranking officer in the National Security Agency along with General Black and General Hayden. It is important to remember that General Aquino is first and foremost a military intelligence officer with over 40 years experience in counterinsurgency operations and an expert in psychological warfare. General Aquino's psychological warfare campaign has started or infiltrated cults and other closed systems as part of a concerted effort to control large numbers of people and to destabilize the centers of constitutional and legal authority both here in the United States and in other nations. This methodology is part of a concerted plan that spans several generations. The Church of Satan and the Church of Set, as well as other cults and mainstream organizations, are closed systems with their own belief systems that are insular and separate from the reality that most people take for granted. These closed systems allow large numbers of people to be manipulated into performing antisocial acts that most members of the greater society would not contemplate. Aquino first participated in MKUltra-related activities in Vietnam as part of the Phoenix program in the 1960s. These ongoing MKUltra operations are functioning as a counterinsurgency and infiltration operation. I'll f I hate all these nerd dorks, dude. I will fight all these Dungeons and Dragons pieces of shit. Well, I just hey. Just to make it a point to people that, you know, I always talk about reading stuff in like academic literature. You don't even have to go there. You could just, I mean, it takes some digging, but you can find clips like that. So it's not like it's just, you know, us yapping off about it. You can find the evidence, but well, they, thank they, you guys. They use that like, so that was like a, a very in-depth, a uh, very niche model for a small group of people with that particular study. But the what they learned out of those psychological experiments can be extrapolated to a larger population or for people who are just into Star Wars or for people like myself into Star Trek. You can run operations on people that if, if you know their likes and dislikes, which they now know because they have databases and profiles built on everyone. So there's multiple different psychological operations going on right now online in the pentagon even recently as six months ago admitted that they've been running at least one they probably have at least 20. and that's probably a conservative estimate yeah. mike yeah <laughs> they, uh, a movie called uh, the men who stare at goats you guys see that oh yeah mm. yeah it's, it's 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 on a true story it's based on a true story of what what went down at fort bragg in the 1970s when uh this whole Esselin Institute, you know, new age, uh, you know, psychedelic operation was infused into the, the military uh, officers at Fort Bragg as a social experiment, but it was highly enmeshed with, with Aquino's operations too. Um, and they were, you know, doing this, they were, they were trying to basically fuse in quantum mechanics, probability theory, and really just train soldiers to use mind wars using a lot of occult overlap to, to like, you know, stare at a goat until its heart actually explodes or like, like channel your particles so you could run through walls. And they had for, for years, millions of dollars of taxpayer money poured into building up and really driving nuts, a faction of the U.S. military that became leading figures around Paul Wolfowitz, Dick Cheney. They really ascended around the spoonbender takeover of the, the military that generated the response to 9-11, all this shit. So, I mean, it, it was an, an entire intentional um, driving 
into insanity, occult insanity with a veneer of science, as, as we saw Aquino, right? He's like a computer guru and a statistical probability theorist, which runs very closely in the, dan- or in the, uh, in the race with, with uh, occultism. And uh, yeah, they just created a bunch of zombies. It was like a cult. They created this powerful synthetic cult within the high operational command structures of the U.S. military that were into all sorts of ritualistic crazy shit and w- didn't see a problem blowing countries that had nothing to do with 9-11 into the Stone Age. Um, yeah, it was, it was really uh, like ego stripping. There's even speculation to your point, Matthew, that as well. Um, I'm actually a fellow Canadian as well, but right now I'm in the United States traveling. But uh, there's speculation as well that even I know this is a time old um, theory amongst many other things, but obviously getting the, the buildings to, to, to fall on, on 9-11. There's some speculation that the same extremely low frequency, um, I guess you could say, yeah, frequency densities used and resonant frequencies, believe it or not, in my opinion, similar to what Mr. Randall Carlson mentioned on Rogan about uh, resonant frequency when adjusted using something in some cases as simple as a preamp was what was uh, able to help cause the buildings collapse in that regard. And not not to be all over the place, but when you look, for example, at um, like, for example, when Mr. Carlson and intelligently so, in my opinion, would say things like, you know, abundant energy. I think um, it's a little bit more than abundant, let's put it that way, but there's certain industries and certain people that certainly have their investments tied up in so many regards that it has to be controlled to a certain degree. And what I mean by that is, for example, there's a Canadian company, I'm sure there's something like this going on in the States as well, where in this emerging quote unquote quantum market or area, you have, for example, you buy the car, but you rent the battery monthly. So this goes back to the whole, you'll own nothing and be happy. Well, why would you need to rent the battery? Almost as if the battery never runs out. Almost as if the battery perhaps is utilizing some form of quote unquote free energy instead of abundant. So it's kind of like they still want to keep that control structure there. So I don't know. That's just maybe I'm wrong. That's just one avenue one could view it as perhaps. But it speaks to this idea again of there being an ether and what we call, you know, empty space is perhaps not really empty at all. So, not to uh, derail or totally switch uh, lanes, but uh, I will. I'll bring this up. Uh, before we get out of here, because I know Sam's uh, short on time, but we should talk about FTX a little bit. That's what I mean. I put that in the title of this video. Uh, yeah. we, we have yet to talk <laughs> about it. So, we should, we should probably broach the subject. And I, I looked a little bit into it. Uh, I don't know, honestly, and I don't know a lot. I've, I've, I've done about a half hour, an hour of research. Sam, what do you got to say about this? Uh, well, I think this goes way beyond FTX. I think this goes all the way back to Obama phones, right? And this whole thing where they gave out these free Obama phones. And, you know, if, you, if you're giving something for free, you tend to be the product. And what they were doing was uh, basically mining data of uh, low-income people uh, to find out what made them tick and what made them happy and, more importantly, what pissed them off. And they found out that, and they played that like a a guitar, and that came from what? George Floyd. George Floyd, the video upsets everybody. Now we have across the country all these riots going on. BLM 2, which is Black Lives Matter 2, which means as well, gets co-opted and turned into BLM, which is a Marxist, uh, cult Marxist organization in which they 
basically used to fundraise for the DNC. All the money that went to BLM was uh, actually funneled to Act Blue, which went into the 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 pockets of the DNC. So we see this happen, and I think this is what went on with FTX, and they were it was done on purpose. So Joe Biden announces he's running for president. uh, What uh, three days or two weeks later, FTX. Uh, is established and it just blows up. All your favorite monsters show up, BlackRock, Soros, all these people show up and they just make this thing an overnight success. Blows up really big. Everybody is uh, now on it buying crypto or that's what they thought. They buy crypto. They're actually getting an IOU and which the FTX turns around and use that money on other shit. Um, and everything's running well. And then, you know, now, see, I have this theory, right? And yes, I agree. All elections are rigged to a point, right? They're, they're, there's, they're all rigged. But I think some elections are more rigged than others because there's, there's a plan in motion. So when we go back to George Bush versus Al Gore, Al Gore is a, you know, Club of Rome piece of garbage, right? But they really needed Dick Cheney in the White House for 9-11. They needed him in there to orchestrate and run NORAD and all that stuff. So they couldn't even risk it. They had to make George Bush win. So now we get to the hanging chads and George Bush's cousin at CNN going, hey, we're not calling anything right now. So, you know, fast forward to this election with uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and I make no illusions of what Trump is. Um, I think he's a crime boss. You know, uh, so it, that it, it is what it is. But I think they their plan was Ukraine, World War Three, and uh, they needed Joe Biden getting there because we all know Joe Biden and the big guy uh, with China. But more having uh, the Ukraine on lockdown, they needed him in there to get the ball rolling. So they they jacked it from Trump without a doubt, and. Um, so once, once, see, once Hillary stole, and then everyone jump in, sorry for talking so long, but once Hillary stole the primary from Bernie, he, she turned off so many people to the Democratic Party, they couldn't fundraise anymore. They literally had to go to Mexico to get fundraising, so they had to come up with creative ways, BLM and now FTX. So you get the Ukrainian war going, you're funding all this money to the Ukraine, and then Zelensky turns around and buys all this FTX crypto, which uh, Sam banker fry turns around and just dumps money into the dnc and that's that is the uh long story short now to be fair to be fair to sam he he did also donate some money to some republicans i i so i don't know 100 percent 23.9 million so so 23.9 million to the republicans how many how much to the democrats do you know uh 38 from SBF to the Democrats, we had Ryan Salami, the head co-CEO of FTX Digital Markets, uh, was uh, given a $55 million loan by Alameda Research, and then $24 million of that went to the Republicans. So, I mean, I mean you, well, you want to buy off everyone you time, can, I guess. Real quick, to, to, to add to that, though, $40 million from other SBF uh, like partners and employees 
went to the Democrats too. So it's around like 55, 60 million Republicans, 70 million Democrats. They're hedging their bets. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're betting uh, also, on that regulation. Gets into two, two wings of the same bird, right? Which we've, I've said this is all George Bush death cult from the start. I mean, I just think it's all Bush death cult. It's all globalist occult. But th- there's, there's more than just, they're not just using this money to finance Democrats in elections. They're using this money to finance the things that the Democrats like in life. Uh, there was money that went to every town for gun safety PAC, which is a Democratic run gun control political action committee. Um, they he spent twenty seven million on Protect Our Future PAC, which is his own, which is SBF's own PAC, and they were pushing lockdowns and mandates. Then they donate. This is he the most funded the lo- lockdowns, right, Charlie? He basically funded his, his brother Gabriel. Yeah. So the the most concerning part of it is his brother Gabriel, Gabe Bankman Fried, and what he's financing because this dude's into the, into some really dark shit. He's using this money. It's going from SBF. Well, first, it's going from FTX to Alameda Research. It's being given to them. And then it's being loaned to SBF, who's then creating his own fund, his own pack, funding that, and then using that pack to fund his brother's pack. And then what is his brother's pack in, uh, spending money on? Genetic research. Oh. Genes. The same shit that all of the Welcome Trust is doing. With the eugenics component. They don't call it eugenics anymore because that's got a bad name. They call it genetics. Uh, Gabe also funded a study, a couple of studies to discredit ivermectin. He sat on a number of congressional panels. There's a number of different tie-ins with various mis-dis and mal-information campaigns and all that kind of... They they are funding... Lock the, the lockdown mentality. They're funding COVID the way they can. They're funding uh, packs that support lockdowns and mandates and things like that. They're on the bad team. The, the, Charlie, the, would you, for would sure. you say they're, so would you say they're funding ideologies more than actual things these days, so to speak? Yeah. Well, they're probably. funding the mechanisms, the delivery mechanisms for the the ideology. They've already got like the ideologies are already set, but they're they're in charge of the the conduits, I guess, by which those ideologies can then flow. So as an that example, as an example, this Gabe Bankman Fried used to work for a company called Civis Analytics, which is owned by Eric Schmidt. And what it is is it's a da- it's a data firm that the Democrats use. So when we're talking about are they funding elections or ideology, they're funding the data firms. So you can take that however you want to take that. What that data is used when Eric Eric fucking Schmidt is running that and he's running artificial intelligence for the Pentagon and you used to work for him and then you take this money and you start funding genetic research, I get a little bit suspicious. So if I was invited to Thanksgiving... Um, and I tried to You're talk fine. to my, my relatives about this. Uh, I think it would just go right over their, their heads. Like they would understand that there was some sort of crypto exchange that went bankrupt, 
but it was a, it's it's more in line with a Ponzi scheme. But when you get into everything that that Charlie was talking about, like oh, that's a conspiracy. That just seems so far fetched. So yeah, for sure. It's so it's hard to get this legitimate information in front of people that matter most because this that's is like back room kind of stuff. A hundred percent. This is not what you lead with at oh. the Thanksgiving dinner table this week. You most but, certainly start with it was a bank run on a crypto exchange yeah. this they, is the big bragged about it all the way through with butt stuff yeah. yeah but they i mean they they bragged about like all of the the stuff that the gay bankman fried was doing they brought coinbase had like glowing puff pieces about the ukraine partnership there i mean this is stuff that that they were openly you know just stroking it over and there was the the amount of hubris that comes with that haircut i guess i don't even know what it is like a samson thing it's wild dude the the swagger that somebody can have to be like i'm running multiple ponzi schemes and i've dude, still so got time so, yeah it's so weird how there's so many people out there that dress like how i would love to dress at a power meeting whether it's SBF who shows up in like gym shorts, you know, at, to meet with Bill Clinton or Fetterman who just is walking around with a sweatshirt on at, at uh, you know, big debates. Like, I want to dress <laughs> like that, but they always seem shady when they do it. Let's not forget, Charlie, that a lot of people think that this was meant to fail too. That, you know, this Maybe. is somewhat like Goldman Sachs. With the real estate portfolio, where they get everyone to invest in it, when they know it's going to crash, so they take out their their insurance policy on it. That you know, Joe Biden and the globalists have wanted crypto regulations, and there was a great video went out, and it was like a one minute video, and it broke down the whole thing. And one thing that it said that was really great was that every everything that everyone's getting angry at sam about is already illegal there's there's no need for regulation because oh, everything yeah. he did was already illegal so i thought a lot of people think this is that you know it happens day after the midterms crash and burn well i mean at least we can be thankful that Maxine Waters is cheering up the investigation into this. So that's good. Thank God. As the New York <laughs> some Fed announces its pilot program for CBDC. Yes. Yeah. As that happens, yeah. I, it's, yeah, uncanny, the timing. Really, I think, Sam, I think they wanted to keep this thing going. I think if crypto hadn't dropped as much as it had, then they, they, they go either it's still, in, it's still functioning and 2024, he spends a billion dollars, like he said he wanted to, and the washing machine is at full capacity. Or, and it, it keeps going and they finance all these uh, politicians on both sides and they regulate crypto the exact way that FTX wants it regulated. Or they crash and burn at some point and we regulate crypto that, then. So yeah. either way, it's, it's going to get done. It's but a bigger FTX problem is, it's is a playing like the please don't throw me in the briar patch, but if you do, can we design the briar patch to look kind of like this and have all these built, you know, and we gave you money and make sure that it, you know, I think he was trying to lock people out of the marketplace, frankly, with this, with any sort of regulations. It's, it, it's a, it's a move to 
Like that that's what Microsoft and these groups would do. They would beg for regulation because regulation it insulates them in a, in a in a weird sense. It keeps everybody else out. It keeps the costs so high that, that, to of complying with regulation that it just keeps everybody from competing. And it actually creates a monopoly. So I think maybe he wanted regulation and wanted it on his terms. And if he could give you free money that didn't cost him anything, why the fuck wouldn't he buy both sides? You create the rules of your own restaurant, basically. Absolutely. You just create all you. Please don't regulate me. And, and, and put everybody else out of business at the same time. Well, that's like if I could say one last thing regarding if we uh, to come full circle about the trucker situation. And Matthew, please correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, as I understand it, more than o- over 50% of Canadian truckers are Punjabi. And that did not f- fit the narrative whatsoever of the uh, Canadian establishment media. I have not seen that statistic brought up whatsoever other than when you actually go to the statistics websites of various outlets and sources, whether it is via the government or otherwise. So it's interesting to see that the media is saying one thing, and then you go, for example, to the, uh, you know, the government's outlet or website that then says the total opposite and not to jump all over the place, but this brings me back perhaps to thanks to you guys, actually um, to platforming Dr. Robert Malone. So my whole thing with that in general is I don't mean to go on a tangent here, but you know, he's, as I understand it, does contract work uh, or did contract work with, you know, Ditra, DARPA, all of that. So ultimately the, you know, what he said when he went on Rogan, I'm thinking to myself, if what he said was so nonsensical or BS, wouldn't Pfizer have loved to sue him? But I'm not seeing any lawsuits coming his way. You see what I'm saying? And the same people, arguably, when we go right to the top, the same people employing or not employing, rather funneling money to the the um, the media establishment are the same people that are quietly saying to people like Dr. Malone, no, 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 keep working for us. Don't worry about it. Or keep, you know, keep contracting or things like this. And I don't mean any uh, disrespect to Dr. Malone whatsoever. Everyone has to, you know, eat. And I understand that. But I find it quite ironic. Again, you can't have both, you know, both sides, uh, slices of the cake and, and eat it too. And then say to everybody else, that's not the cake that we're eating. So I just find it interesting. The, the, the contradictory statements, whether it's with the trucker stuff, whether it's with the with, with the um, the on the medical side of things, whether it's even with the with the crypto stuff, it seems to be the same playbook, just slightly perturbed and adjusted over and over again. So, uh, well, I mean, the question is this, like, you know, if Twitter does go down, right, just completely crashes and goes away, how are they going to disseminate? Their propaganda because nobody's watching the news. I mean, there's always this discussion that, you know, they're on ley lines and that gets amplified everywhere. You know, if you think about where all these news media hubbubs are, they're always at points of ley lines and those are like giant mother nature megaphones and amplifiers. So that's super interesting. But, you know, the freak out on Twitter right now is just absolutely hilarious. The way, like, all my heroes are dead. Jack White, Trent Reznor, like, all my heroes are dead. And why are they freaking out so much? Like, what? What are they afraid of? What's changed? Like, what's changed? Nothing's changed. Like, Twitter's still the same shitty place it was two months ago. Well, people have, people are in the depths of their Trump derangement syndrome. They're, they're, that's their trigger now. It can be called back up whenever. They could probably go three years 
without really hearing much about and they'd still snap right back to it and donald trump's not even on twitter he said multiple times he doesn't he's not coming back to twitter anytime soon he's got his own thing they're generating a fear response or a trigger response in everyone else who comes on social media to see that i guarantee you that like brooklyn douche or whatever and like those other you know blue check heroes they're they're not scared they're looking at their portfolios they're going to bathhouses they're watching reruns of the west wing and blowing each other With their it's portfolios? a lovely world for them yeah 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 it's a Can lovely bring world their portfolio to bathhouses i guarantee you these guys do i guarantee you these guys do i it, so it this is again this is to stir up and make other people think that the world is an infinitely more scary place than it is these are the people who want you to never touch grass uh, and they're going to continue to do it until there's a new outrage and a new thing. And Donald Trump is the perfect guy. They've got two years of him now. They could just they can go to him. He's he, like he's their point guard and their best guy off the bench at the same time. Like that's his function. And it's amazing. He does it fantastically. I mean, this is why he shouldn't run. <laughs> I'm in. But let's also get into the fact we're back to the FTX. Is that like what a week before the, or like three, I don't know, a week before this whole thing happens? A guy, uh, some dude who created his own crypto puts out a tweet that basically Puerto Rico is now the new home of Jeffrey Epstein's organization and their sex trafficking out of there. And then three days later, he's found dead on a beach. Yeah. Curious, and now you go into SBF's, uh, low, his, uh, Profile looks like the FBI uh, logo for girl love. Then you go to Alameda. It looks like the FBI's logo for boy love. And just like this MIT nerd elitist scumbag crew. It's know, a tangled web. Feels very manufactured to me. Feels like intelligence. I just recorded ah, an, I just ah. recorded. I just recorded an episode that I haven't put out yet called the Crypto Manson Family about these people. This is a this is a disturbing group, man. There's a lot of connections here. This is something that 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 like, you know, the the, the parents of Bankman Freed or Democratic operatives. We've got the, the you know, the the uh meth goblin her dad, Gary Ginsler's old boss. That's concerning. You're talking about regulating crypto. I mean, that's something to be, it's something to, to look at, you know. Um, there's a so lot of on, the wrong you, kind of people involved. So when we get into kind of like this intelligence operation, such as like Charles Manson, right, where Manson was obviously an FBI guy and they kept letting him out and they, they kept – you know, they kept them around till they really need him. Are you saying in your belief, Charlie, that this story's real or this story is an FBI concoction to give no to I, cause I, high anxiety? I'm saying it's real. I'm saying these people are really connect like like Gary Gensler, the guy who is supposed to be regulating crypto, was Hillary Clinton's CFO of her campaign to run. Oh. She's he's involved. Uh, these guys are meeting with the Clintons. There's a the whole head lot of, the, of that uh, the SEC. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC. Yeah. Okay. And while he was a professor before he was at the SEC, he was a professor at MIT, and his boss was Caroline Ellison's father, the one who yeah. who yeah. blew ten billion of Alameda's money. So. Yeah. What what are we? What do these feel like? It feels like this is the next generation of intelligence that's getting placed into these companies for a purpose. And I think that we, I think it's so early on right now that like, who knows where this rabbit hole will lead? But it feels well, like it's deeper than just a, a bank run on a crypto platform. Let's bring it back to Whitney Webb for a second, then, because when she popped in one of the last couple of times. Um, I don't, it wasn't scheduled. Um, she was talking about the next phase in the Epstein operation and how they've been able to move away, uh, or at least that segment of it, that, that influence peddling blackmail, you know, influence operation has been able to move away from the child sex trafficking sphere of it into a new phase more involved with uh data manipulation more involved with it looks like given the number of celebrities high profile celebrities and ceos and all of the people that got wrapped up into ftx and went out and danced for it or had a ton of money leveraged in it it looks like and this is me now speculating but this could be one of the directions by which they grab new people into a power and influence sort of blackmail leveraging program hey you're on the hook for six million you're on the hook for 650 million tom brady yeah what? that's nuts bro like, how dumb are you? Well, it shows how that these celebrities don't know. They're how not- many summer camps you got to open up so kids, a <laughs> couple of kids can disappear here and there to keep the adrenochrome supply going, Tom Brady? That's a lot of money. How, how that's can, a lot of money. How I'm kidding. He, that's a joke. I'm kidding. How, I hope. how can he owe that much? Like, seriously. Like- well, his wife was super. She was like the greatest model on the planet she's making a hundred like a hundred million a year whoa yeah tom brady's gonna get alimony (laughs) yeah i mean she was crushing it she was making it's kind of crazy that the story comes out right around when they get divorced she's like you did what with my money what you know how many fucking runways i had to walk huh it's like it's all gone this 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 ftx money just didn't evaporate it's somewhere like well, like it, like it go it's it's went somewhere and it's probably still being funneled around. Yes, I can tell you where it went. Oh, good. Uh, at least I can tell you one of the stops. I can't tell you where it is right now. But from Alameda Research, this was the sister company that was trading like um like morons and highly leveraged and doing things that were really dangerous and and they were filled up with amphetamines and a lot of yeah. uh, belief in themselves and uh, maybe who knows what else. But Alameda took this $10 billion and then started loaning it out to people. They loaned a billion to Sam himself. They loaned half a billion to Singh, who is the head engineer. And, but they loaned... billion to a company called Paper Bird, which is controlled by Sam. 
Now, that's where some of the money is. But where it went from there, I don't know. But but it's it, when they're they're when they're talking about it just evaporating, market cap evaporating for sure. Ten billion dollars, though. I mean, this 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 customers fund this, this money this was cash that came in, right? Like I don't yeah. think this I don't think we're talking about the ten billion dollars that FTX sent to Alameda. I don't think we're I don't think we're just talking about make believe FTT tokens. I think we're talking about actual cash that customers put into their account to buy Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever. And if that's the case, then there is $2.3 billion that went to this, went to his paper bird company. So where's the money? What's going on there? Like maybe this guy needs to, instead of them doing vanity fair pieces on him, maybe they need to drag him down to the police station and start asking questions. Or does he belong to intelligence as well? Yeah, where is he Where is he at right now? Is he still in the Bahamas? I don't know. Like I, I, I just did a search, and only four days ago was there an article written, where is he at? But there, sh- there should be like an article like every hour about where he's at. Apparently, people just yeah. don't care. He's getting a black seed oil massage by the New York Times in an undisclosed location. Oh yeah, they just jerked him right off all over the place. It's it. it, I ask you this: Why is the media so quick to deflect? Mm. Well, because they're wrapped up in it. I mean, come on, it's not. People are trying to to liken it to either Lehman Brothers or Enron or this or the. It's like all of them, and it's how every other bank works. They didn't have any freaking liquidity when dude from Binance came in because he got tipped off and said, oh, shit, I'm going to go ahead and cash out. I know what's going to happen, but I'm going to go ahead and cash out. And there was nothing there. That's what set that whole particular, like, bank run kind of thing on the way. There was code in there that said rug pull. Because he was talking, like, that guy from Binance had, like, $2 in investment in his his exchange, and he's telling the government to go after him. He's t- and 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 Sam is telling the government government to investigate the guy from Binance, even though the guy from Binance has a two billion dollars invested in his company. It's it's literally like the Carlos Mencia Joe Rogan video. It's like <laughs> it's like it's just like dude, you did it to yourself. You did it to yourself. If you hadn't had such a giant ego and thought you walked on water, you'd still have a career right now. Or at least you would, it, would, it would have gone on a little longer. But you shoot yourself in the foot like that. Your ego is not your amigo. Apparently, he's still in the uh, Bahamas. As of uh, 12 hours ago, according to MSN, uh, he is trying to uh, broker a deal and, and get something done with FTX and still doing some trading from Bahamas. So... <laughs> There he's still trading, dude. Yeah, yeah. He was out there tweeting like a day or a couple of days ago. Yeah, he don't get. He don't care. He don't. He doesn't dude, care. He, he's ruined people's lives. He's like a degenerate gambler. He's like, just open up another line of credit. You know, like, just, just come on, money. seven. Everybody back, and we'll be good. He could you be know? an alien. So here's the thing, though. If they recover that money, doesn't it become part of a criminal case? And couldn't that then be absorbed into a civil asset forfeiture type thing? Because the U.S. government's got to be the single largest holder of Bitcoin at this point with all they've seized. Uh, I would say the Chinese are. 
No, you might you might be right. I don't know, bro. I just like I, I, I do you have any faith in them doing it? The only really reason Madoff went to jail is because he stole from rich people. Yeah. Well, that's and the only a very specific set of the wrong rich people, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The kind that you can't have. So, like, if he would have ripped off poor people, he'd still be out there hanging and banging. But now because he ripped off all the wrong people, you know, so we'll see if Tom Brady and Steph Curry are considered the wrong people. If you're asking me, probably not. But we'll see how much he pays. I mean, good luck. Or he fakes his own death and there's some dude out there, Samantha, you know, Banky. Friedman or whatever, change up the name just enough to get away with it. Well, he's already got the rack. You ever see an American tale where like Fievel gets a girlfriend and she's got them big Coke bottle glasses? Yeah, of course I have. I love the movie. Go look at at what's Emily something again. She is a weird Caroline. Yeah, Caroline. Just look at her one good time and just have that American tale image fresh in your head. And then thank me much later down the road. Just be like they were oh, having cocaine fueled orgies there. That's what nerds I mean, do. I mean, there's part of this story is fucking awesome, and part of it is really alarming. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're totally right. Let's man. take Adderall and spit in each other's mouths. I mean, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Basically, well, that's what it was. So you but, know, uh, look, a lot of people are going to get hurt from it, and it's and that part. That you know, a lot of like retail investor people are losing money, and that is not acceptable. And um, there's yeah, just, and but it's just everything is a grift these days. It feels like you know, you can't, you just feel like you can't trust anybody. Obviously, you wouldn't trust that guy. That guy looks like a pile of shit. You would never trust that guy. And I think the one of the big Wall Street guys was on was getting grilled. And did you see that footage, Steve of. Uh, this guy who owns a big uh, CME, I think, uh, he was getting grilled by Rokana earlier in the year, and he was telling Rokana, "FTX has no money. I'm just telling you, they're illiquid." You know, you're and and Rokana was like, "You've got to, you need to retract that statement. You're under oath." He's like, "I don't care. If I'm I'm not retracting anything. I'm telling you, they're undercapitalized. They don't have the money for great. it." I, yeah, yeah, and I mean, Rokana's just uh, that guy's one of the richest people in Congress. Who knows what his wife's portfolio looks like because of ftx <laughs> you know what i mean i mean it's insane dude i think he's like the third richest member of congress i also want to say something and i know this is where i become the crazy guy i think so much of this is just haunted house not that people aren't losing money or that there aren't shady people out there but I just think so much of this is just them trying to heighten our anxiety, making us more easily manipulated. And that's just what I mean, like, I think everything is local, work local, work with others local, help local. Everything else is just theater, dude. And I, I do believe bad things do happen. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but so much of it is happening on our computer screens and our television screens, more and more computer screens and our iPhone screens. But there's so much, I'm just, again, ready just to fucking stop playing the game. I think the game is important individually, like with each other, like how do, how do we, how do we be of service to each other? Uh, but so much of, 
everything we see is just these these energy vampires trying to jack our loose. And that's just more and more I start to study all this spiritual stuff, the more and more I believe it. I'm with you. Like, well, like you. this this reminds me of just a, uh, another uh, another version of the Birdie Madoff right before a giant uh, economic uh, downturn. We had Madoff, now we have this. It's the same variables kind of rearranged a little bit. And uh, it, this is not going to directly affect me. Like much, almost everything I talk about on my podcast, I'm sure you guys do. It's just fun fodder, fun thought experiments, interesting things that really do not apply to my everyday life, pretty much. Besides maybe like COVID lockdown policies and, and things like that. Um, a lot of these are just fun thought experiments that just interesting conversation pieces. But unplugging is important. It's like when you went to a horror movie at a theater when you were a kid and then it got really scary because you're underage and then you had to walk out of the theater and it's like once you walked out of the theater and you weren't like locked into that screen you're like oh my god it's just a, a illusion it's just a movie none of it was real and that's kind of like what they're trying to lock us into they're trying to like sit us down in the theater and staring at the screen where they can manipulate and create any reality they want and they don't want yeah. us walking out and then once you walk out and you turn off that screen you realize like holy shit, the whole thing's an illusion. What's real is what I can feel, what I can touch, the people who know me, the people around me, my community, all these things. But as we know, we've talked about it a million times, you know, the transhumanism agenda and all these other things that are slowly getting us, you know, tiptoeing into that direction. And that's the thing about that bigger picture conversation is that it seems so far in the future that a lot of people don't want to talk about it. But it's just like the COVID lockdowns. It's like, oh, give them two weeks, then it becomes two years, and it then becomes you can't go to work until you get a, this experimental vaccine. So it's like a lot of times you you give in a little bit or you disregard what's going on because it's just baby steps, and baby steps don't seem that significant. But it's like those baby steps keep happening and keep going in that direction. Eventually, it does become a big deal. And, you know, you see it. People are, are like Sam said, it, it's it's a illusion creating the anxiety people are living in it's it's what they see on tv it happened during the covid lockdowns where you turn off the tv and it's like nothing was going on right there was nothing was going on in your personal life but the people who were locked into the tv and and believing in the illusion i mean everything's a fucking illusion and and they can and they control and create the illusion look at tobacco for example when we were growing up Cigarettes was not a big fucking deal. They're the great. gateway drug was weed, right? It was CBD or, or not CBD. It was a uh, marijuana. Like it's a gateway drug to all these other things, cocaine, heroin. Blah, blah, blah. Now I live in Massachusetts around every fucking corner. You can get weed. Like there's just uh, liquor stores and weed everywhere. And like now tobacco has become the boogeyman, like, right? Like the vaping, anything that's tobacco related, flavored cigars. And it's like, okay, what's changed? Nothing's changed. The two substances haven't changed. The only thing that's changed is the way, you know, the, the illusion that they're, uh, they're painting for us and creating for us. Same thing with energy, right? Like, you know, cars were fine. Now they're deciding that like cars are, are creating climate uh, change and, and uh, global warming. So now they're like, oh, electric energy. And now they're going to go to, you know, who knows how, whatever type of energy. It's Our like energy they, grid can't handle it. They can't yeah, handle. But that's it. the thing, and and it's all this illusion where nobody's asking the question like, how do we dispose of these uh these these batteries? How do we get these batteries? How do we you know? It's like no, it, they're just creating this illusion. Nobody's asking questions, and it's like like 
Sam said, you just have to unplug and you have to, you know, kind of when you do unplug, reflect a little bit, think about what the fuck's going on. And a lot of times things make sense after you do that. But if you just keep staring at the screen, you're eventually it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to fall for the trick. It's, it's no different than that song you hate. And if they keep playing it and they just keep, you know, force feeding you that song, eventually you're like, now I'm fucking mumbling it. Now I'm, I'm like, I hate this song and I can't get it out of my head. It's like, that's the same thing with the, with the news. It's like, they just keep telling you something. And even if the narrative seems like bullshit, eventually, you know, it, it has some effect on your reality because you keep hearing it. Yeah. I mean, like, like, I, even though it was full of cultural Marxism, I used, I watched House of the Dragon, right? Or House of Dragon, whatever it was called. But when that episode was done, I turned off the show and that show disappeared. How many people do you know that just run the news on their television all day, all the time? Or you go into like some sort of pizzeria and it's the same news channel on all the time. They never turn it off. Therefore, the the, the reality of the, what's ever on that television is always there. It's always playing. They never turn off the TV show. So the fucking script is always running all the time, man. And you just see it like just for some reason, the news is just something people want to leave on 24-7. They'll turn off their favorite sitcom or their favorite drama after it's done, but the news just runs in the living room the whole time, which is projecting and tell, telling a vision of chaos. In my my dentist just you just plays HGTV. That's it. Just to be neutral. It's the most neutral thing out there. Just start flipping houses. Yep. I owe you an email. I got to find an email for you, Charlie. Okay, cool. <laughs> But oh, yeah, it's, it's guys, I, got a jam. I have to jump. I love All you right, guys. The Union they want is the greatest show on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sam. I want to know if Matt knows anything about uh, FTX from where you're sitting. You guys, you guys just unpacked a lot more than I know about, so I just learned a lot. I, I know okay. that this. Uh, Bankman Fried's mom is a real piece of work. And I was reading a little extract from uh, a philosophical treatise that she, she published in 2012, trying to debunk the idea that there is such a thing as free will or morality. So, you know, it makes sense when you see that this is what, it's not just an opinion she has. She's like an academic, a scholar who's like, um, who sees herself almost like a priestess of atheism. Um, so that she would herself be a conduit that would generate the type of product, the shallow type of product that we see with this idiot tool kid who's just used as a synthetic personality to fulfill a, a geopolitical effect. That I'm sure he doesn't, I'm sure he was never briefed. I'm sure he has no clue, but he's programmed like an automata to, to just do what he does. He doesn't have any, based on the, on the type of upbringing that he, that he had, the, the worldview that was shaped for him, he's perfect. As is Bill Gates, you know, who's, a synthetic creation his whole life from cradle to what will be the grave is completely controlled. You got to feel kind of kind of sad in a weird way for some of these pathetic creatures like Justin Trudeau or, you know, who are just groomed at an early age. They're born into a, a certain family unit, a structure. They're selected to fulfill a function. They never gained access to basic human faculties like inner dialogue, self-examination. Um, they're just, you know, 
they have handlers from an early age. They got flatterers puffing up their ego, telling them just how awesome they are. And uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's sad, it's pathetic, and it's almost sacrifice. You know, you wonder what these oligarchs at a higher level of the managerial sort of hierarchy, and I'm not even saying like upper level, but I mean, these are like the Bill Gates senior, even Bill Gates' mom is a high level executive at IBM. They just needed somebody as a cardboard cutout to justify the creation of this new type of um, desktop, desktop computing system that would integrate into people's houses that, you know, people had a bit more of a living memory of what IBM was doing during the Nazi, the Nazi period. That looked pretty bad. They probably wouldn't trust that in their house. <laughs> so they needed something else. And Bill Gates sort of fit the bill. And again, just like Freed and others, they're, they, they have a sort of worldview. Um, and what you guys were saying earlier, you know, we touched upon the question of MK Ultra. It does have a little bit of a ring to it. And especially when you look at a lot of the, uh, the, the family members of, of leading figures around the Grateful Dead or the Doors. And, you know, like it, it's almost like they're sacrificing their kids as part of whatever initiative processes that they go into and p- participate in that, again, fulfill a certain geopolitical function. Um, it's nasty stuff. I, yeah. Now, the, the, I know we've been talking a little bit about crypto. One thing that I'm a little sad about with the whole Bitcoin crypto community, uh, mostly the Bitcoin community, is that initially, I think many of us were excited about this idea of giving the power back to the people. And it was all about like blockchain technology and, and bypassing these governments and banks and all this stuff. And then it just became about like investments. And it just became like how to make money. And a lot of people, when we had the Union of the Unwanted Bitcoin uh, roundtable discussion, like a lot of these guys were just talking about, is it a good investment? Is it not a good, like, how can you make money with, you know, this and that? Oh, the price of the value of it's going to go up. Not too many people focus on the concept, like the importance of the technology because of it, you know, freeing us. Instead, like it's almost enslaving us and people are okay with that. Like this, this idea that, you know, it could potentially enslave us because, you know, if, if the governments end up doing cryptocurrency and, and controlling your, 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 uh, your money, um, directly and turning it off if you don't get vaccinated or turn it, turning it off if you're, uh, saying something that they don't like, uh, that, that's a little scary. But like, the, you know, do you guys ever think about that? About how, like, when Bitcoin first became a thing that for me, that's what excited me about it. And then afterwards, it's just like every time people talk about Bitcoin, it's, it's just about how to make money or is it, or is it not a good investment? Most of my friends got angry, like, like actually angry with me because I told them that I was inherently suspicious of any currency that came attached with a liberation theology. And they just, they, they were like, you're a dick, shut up. Uh, and so I, I've always thought that cryptocurrency represented like a doorway. The, the things like, you know, um, the, the ability to at least anonymously exchange, uh, or peer to peer exchanges. I, I think that that's a fantastic idea. I think that a counter economy is vital to all of us if we would like to extricate ourselves from these oligarchs. Uh, I think it has to come through economic warfare waged at the central banks and i think that the counter economy is the only way to do that um but if it's got a liberation theology or if it's got a central point of failure 
it, it's I'm skeptical of it. And, and As you should today. be, right? Well, I mean, I was in the I I was in the the very extreme minority on that for a long time. Well, I mean, it definitely is an on ramp to central bank digital currencies. I mean, we know that, but and but I guess a, a case could be made that we're going to get digital currencies. We might as well have a good option out there, being Bitcoin, something like that, as opposed to a CBDC from the Fed, which is totally programmable monitoring moderable and uh and corrupted so i mean i i, I you know for hell i wrote a book with berwick who's big into crypto you know so i i'm into it i i like it but i'm but this is the tinfoil hat side of me is like is is it is it compromised too you know and i well, don't think there's anything wrong in asking that question I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I've talked to a lot of friends of mine that I, I respect a lot. And there a lot of people are skeptical about like who created it. And, you know, it's all these theories and nobody really knows. So it's like, how do we know that alone isn't a psyop, right? Like, why wouldn't you create this beautiful psyop that it sounds like it's, you know, freeing the slaves and it's really enslaving us, you know, by by locking us down into this this currency that's actually controlled, but it seems not to not be controlled. I mean, one thing I did like about cryptocurrency because even a lot of us are on rockfin and people are like oh what gives ray token value or what gives bitcoin value it sparked the conversation that just about everything in the world uh the value is kind of made up and easily manipulated and controlled and it's like don't think your money or any you know that physical currency is more valuable because you can touch it like don't think that it's not as you know it's not it can't be manipulated or it hasn't been manipulated um same thing with stocks i'm like well what the fuck gives a stock uh, a value i mean elon musk can tweet something and bring up the value or lower the value of uh of a stock just by what he tweets you know so it's like you know i think it it, it helped kind of break through that illusion that like everybody thinks that all these other systems that we've kind of accepted to be uh, fair and balanced systems that have some type of real uh, logic behind it. It's like, no, no, it's all easily manipulated and bullshit. And, and there's fake. no real science behind any of it. And fake, basically. And we, yeah. we, 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 anybody that knows about like currencies realizes what a house of cards the whole thing is. So, I mean, that's why I'm saying it's reasonable to be suspicious of crypto. I, I have crypto. I want it to be great. I hope that it is. I hope Bitcoin is fantastic. I want that. I think that it provides answers you know, to, to some real big problems out there but i also recognize that like once these fucking bankers get a hold of it man they they can they try to manipulate things and so i'm always a bit suspicious of these like massive swings in prices you know they always feel a little bit i don't know engineered or something i don't know maybe i'm just paranoid i uh i was thinking a little bit about um like my, my uh my once very deep obsession with comic books in the 90s and i i uh I always liked I liked sequential art. I liked a good story, and I liked art in general. So, um, I, you know, comic books really resonated, and and um, I didn't have a lot of money, so I'd always go for the dollar bin, the dollar bin comics, things I could afford. You know, sometimes I'd get a graphic novel, and I'd, I'd really splurge. But uh, 
the um, some of my friends were really obsessed with the the price guides. You know, they they get Wizard magazine and they always just really obsessively just follow the prices of their their different things. And I got kind of into it, but then you know, I noticed that there were really shit uh, stories and and artwork in some of the the comics. And there was something there's a, a little fad around something called Valiant Comics. And uh, for some reason, these comics were worth you know like two bucks one day, and all of a sudden like $180 for issue number one and two of, you know, whatever random thing. And I was like, the artwork is bad. The stories are lame. It's just not, why, like, why is this worth so much? And I was thinking maybe it's, it's just me. I'm the problem. I don't see it. And I think that whole experience when I was, you know, 11, 12, 13, um, helped me understand the absurdity of the way the system is wired in the world today, because why does Amazon, which produces nothing, have shares that are worth 18 times more than General Motors that employs tens of thousands of people in real products utilizing real energy in the real world. And it's like, it's just because people want it. There's a hype. There's a, but but there's a a disconnect from the real. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. And your feelings are not reality. They're always just manipulatable by whoever is controlling the levers of what makes people's feelings get tickled. Oh, so we saw system. it. It happened at the to, Presidio. We saw earlier in this, this episode, we saw where your feelings come from. So let's, fucking let, let's actually, in San Francisco. <laughs> let's flesh this out for a second because I've been thinking about this while you guys are talking. Yes, you're right. The market operates on feelings, but it operates on a select group of feelings, which is really rich white dudes on stimulants or really rich <laughs> dudes in period on stimulants. Okay, and really rich dudes, period, on stimulants are more emotionally unstable than like an entire like volleyball team in mid brawl. Okay, that's not a healthy condition for which markets should operate under by any stretch of the imagination. I don't mind if markets get emotional, you know, every now and then. I don't, but if it should happen, I guess a little bit more predictably and cyclically than, uh, than it does it is what I'm It's just an unstable position with which to operate baseline. I just, I've just come from watching what they've done to the gold and silver markets when the banks decide that they want to suppress something and they get busted and, and, and found guilty over and over again of rigging these marketplaces and, it doesn't matter. They just artificially suppress the price of things. And so that, you know, that's like you can have all the confidence in the world in a, in this new product or or this crypto product or whatever, but it's like if they decide that they want to suppress it, they have the power of these of Wall Street to do that and they can just make it so fucking impossible for it to to grow that it just fizzles out. That's what I worry about the most. It's not not a level playing field. It's just it's once the government puts its thumb on the scales and starts and starts screwing with something because they view it as a threat to their scam. That's the that's the biggest thing is that if you if your if your product infringes on the government's uh co- scam that they're running, you're going to have problems. And that's what what worries me about like crypto i think yeah like definitely but 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 i think on the deeper level of values like i think our our culture as a whole has gone increasingly kind of nuts in the sense that we allow (laughs) this all to happen to ourselves and uh, we lost touch of what is what is reality and what is what is the difference between which has intrinsic real value versus that which 
has illusory value that we just want, but maybe we don't need, or maybe it might even poison us despite the fact that we want it. You know, I give me that, give me that eighth, eighteenth booster. I really want it. You know, it's like, do you really want it? Who put that want there? Um, <clears throat> but you know, like I, when you're coming down to the question, and I, this always kind of creeped me out by a lot of, and not everybody, but a lot of my friends and people who in my contact base who are the most. And I got, I've got a, I've got a wallet. I've got crypto. Like, don't get me wrong. But the thing that kind of got to me was this almost like cult-like fanaticism that it, it's, it's just it itself will give us the freedom because it is decentralized because it is this. But the actual system in which they're operating, they, they, there was no real sensibility in the minds of a lot of these people of like, well, do we have the water production? Do we have like we've just destroyed 60 years of our factories productivity. We've destroyed, we've created artificial scarcity by shutting down agro-industrial uh, progress for like a sustained period. And there's no consideration on well, what are the real parameters of the system that you're operating in? Cause whether it's a digital currency or whether it's gold or silver or plastic, it doesn't really ultimately matter what you want to peg your currencies to or whatever. If your values are to increase abundance in this, in society and have investments that are associated with creating something that is going to be measurable, real, and not just like, you know, whatever the, the, the myth makers and freaking wizards at the top of the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the pyramid wants to believe has value. But we have to just have like a sense of like, where are we going as a society? What type of investments are we expecting and, and de demanding that will allow us to get out of this limits to growth? Like the, the oligarchy wants us to depopulate ourselves and they want us to create scarcity and adapt to it. So we have to overcome that, but that requires a lot of big things being created to justify that. No, we actually have more than we need as far as abundance, you know, but it seems like we lost that. Like JFK, other people in the, the previous generations before we were born who were statesmen had a, had a strong ethos towards this anti-Malthusian orientation and they were cut down and killed in the sixties. And we've got like nobody even coming close to a JFK type of quality of leader in the West, at least. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I well, think it's colorful though. It kind of reminds me of NFTs. I'm like, it, it's, they're literally trying to convince us things have value that don't actually have value. And it's just going to get to a point where it's just like, well, you know, we're spending money on virtual land and property. And, you know, what the fuck is going on here? And again, like these all seem like just baby steps in the same direction. That's like same thing with the 5G conversation. During the COVID lockdowns, you were hearing a lot of people talking about like, oh, you know, the lockdowns are because they're putting up these 5G towers and it's all this, you know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like so much was going on that it was like, okay, maybe, maybe we're jumping to conclusions. Maybe 5G is blown out of proportion. But like, again, 5G's eventually, it's going to change the, the world as we know it. And it could have some incredible health effects that come with it. Uh, who knows what it's going to do to nature and, um, I wish Miriam was here to talk about the, the vanishing of the bees and her, her dog. gonna die. That's yeah, because it's like when things are out of the natural cycle and the way things are supposed to work, like it has some unintended consequences and we don't know what 5G is going to do. So, but I don't think they care because again, I, I, I think the end game will be eventually living in 
a, some digital reality and being locked into it where it's controlled. And if we're not already in that digital reality, if you want to get into the simulation theory uh, conversation, but yeah, I mean, are we there yet? I mean, I don't know, you know, but there's a lot of unexplained things that make you wonder if there's a glitch in the, Actually, Tony Merkel, I, I think it's Tony who sometimes shares some stuff. It's like a glitch in the Matrix and it's some weird-ass video. And I'm like, I don't know if that's real or not. Yeah. But, you know, it's... it's they're fun, though. They're fun videos. They are fun. They are fun. And Mike likes to hang out at the uh, Wendy's Metaverse. I certainly do. The the Wendy's verse. Wendy's verse. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to buy a plot of land on there, but I can't afford it, so... If anyone would like to give me uh, $1.2 million for a picture you can't hang of a monkey, dude, I, I got you. I was looking to buy a monkey picture, but I don't got that kind of money yet. So. I got you a deal. You know, 50% <laughs> off. Oh, for sale, though. Can't ignore those <laughs> prices. <laughs> I mean, we could, it's all holiday season. Black, Black Friday, Friday monkey special. picture deal. Black Friday <laughs> monkey picture deal. Well, you guys want to get out of here? I think we've yep. done our time. Let's wrap it up. Matt, where can people find your amazing work? I know you've written many books. Amazon has them, I know. Is there a better place? And unfortunately, they just made it so damn easy to work with. Uh, I but I, I That's their value. Unfortunately, like, like a friend of mine said, you know, you can sometimes dance with the devil, but just don't take them home. Um, Amazon is, again, user-friendly, so I, I'm going with it. But I'm going to try to find something alternative. If they want a hard copy signed, they can always write to me at, at CanadianPatriot1776 at tutanota.com. be happy to uh, tell you how to get a, a copy directly from me. Um, my wife also just wrote her first book on the, uh, the empire in which the black sun never set on the origins of fascism in the 20th century this week. It was just released. Uh, so they can get these at uh, CanadianPatriot.org main website or risingtidefoundation.net awesome steve morning show i'm going to be joining you sometime soon in in uh middle of december i'm stoked. in studio in studio charlie robbins that'll be fun as hell man i'm looking forward to it um am wake up on rockfin and rumble uh come check us out monday through friday 7 to 10 a.m pacific we do uh we do an incredible show over there my co-host craig pastor jardula uh also from the convo couch um and uh it's it's a whole lot of fun every tuesday uh good friend ryan christian comes through it's T-Lab Tuesday. It's phenomenal. Scott Armstrong is going to be with us uh, for uh, a chunk of time tomorrow. Um, good things coming up always. Slow News Day every Sunday. I also do a show on Thursday nights on the Slow News Day channel with my friend Sugar, where it's a complete checkout from like all of this. Um, and and we get uh, incredibly stoned and and talk about all kinds of wild stuff. She's so. got the best Twitter handle ever, Stevia Tits. Well, because she can't be Sugar Tits anymore because they banned her, Elon. I know. You're going to bring back Partisan Hacks, but you won't bring back Sugar Tits? What's wrong with you, Sugar doggy? Tits 2022. <sighs> uh, Ricardo, what's going on over? I saw that you had James Corbett on. Yes, yes. It's always nice to connect with James from time to time. And if you guys are listening to this on Rockfin, Go subscribe to him on Rockfin. He is now working with our uh, many of our uh, mutual friends, uh, Matt Raymer at uh, Content Safe. So now his stuff is on Rockfin. It's on Rumble. It's a bunch of different places, and uh, which is awesome because he he's one of the best uh, researchers out there and uh, been doing my show since 
2013. So it, it's awesome that people can connect with, uh, find his work. Oh, it's some of the people, some of the Q people who are new to this, <laughs> who might not know <laughs> who James Corbett is. But, uh, yeah, the ripple effect podcast.com. It's available everywhere minus YouTube. And, uh, it's available on all the video platforms, all the audio platforms. Uh, I'm on a bunch of the different social media platforms also, but you can find that all on the website. Um, I do have a clips channel on YouTube. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of building it, hoping that maybe one day I'll start live streaming again and maybe keep it PG on the live stream. And I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of like, uh, live streaming from time to time. It, it used to be fun. So I think I might get back into that, but yeah, ripple effect podcast.com or, or anywhere you get a podcast. So, uh, check that out. And Whitney, speaking of Whitney, she'll be on the show next week with, uh, actually Dr. Jessica Rose wanted to join me on that one. So oh, great. We'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be all together. On another awesome. That'll be fantastic. Tell her we said hello. Uh, we'd love to have her on here. When our schedule calms down, maybe we can make that happen one of these days. Um, well, OBDM is the funniest show in the world. Thanks, and Charlie. If you don't subscribe to it, you don't know what you're missing. We have they a good talk time. about all sorts of fast food encounters, interdimensional Bigfoot. Uh, you, oh. Just a whole bunch of stuff. Like, a whole uh, bunch. You, just go to obdmpod.com. And uh, we stream Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch, and then Saturdays at noon. Like this Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about the holographic universe as uh, as applied by like David Icke, and then get into some Howdy Medeski and escaping the Matrix. And then I'm sure my co-host Joe will bring up stuff uh, concerning politics, and then we wind everything down with the latest and greatest in fast food news. Uh, it's a crazy show, so please check it out. It's fantastic. It's it's my favorite show in the world. Um, it's it's all the information you don't need, but yeah. want anyway. <laughs> um, macroaggressions. Go check out uh, this week's episode. Just came out yesterday. I had John Perkins, author of Confessions of an Economic Hitman, on that book changed my life. No exaggeration. I read that in 2007, and a whole bunch of shit started making sense after that. So I encourage people to. Uh, read his book. Take a listen to that episode. He's got a new third version of it coming out in February that will be dealing with the Chinese economic hitmen and their infiltration of Africa. So that wow. should be pretty good. And I think people will find that interesting. Uh, Macroaggressions, wherever podcasts are served. Video format, Rockfin, Odyssey, Band.Video, Vigilante.TV. Follow me on Twitter at Macroaggression. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to everybody that came out and contributed tonight. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Sam Tripoli, Tinfoil Hat, all of his shows. Zero. Tinfoilhat.com. Yeah. <laughs> Check the links in the description. Hey, Carol. Hi. <laughs> <laughs>